Good morning. Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Saint Spring. It's a beautiful day. If someone could close the doors out there, I could see you. With the light shining right straight through. But we are glad that you are here this morning to join with us as we come together to worship our Lord. So let's have you can stand. Let's stand up and let's begin our service. Let's worship the Lord.
through Christ Jesus, we go to the Father. This next song is called Your Great Name, because his name is great, worthy to be praised. He is our healer, our redeemer. He's our lifesaver. And we give him praise this morning. Will you join with me in singing your great name?
Tuesday night, it's the low 20s. Have you seen that? So before that happens, I'll go outside and take the hoses off of the spigots. Cover the spigots. Make sure there's no drips. So they don't freeze. It's called preventative maintenance. We do things like that. Changing the oil in our cars, or we don't do that ourselves anymore. We used to. Having somebody change the oil in our car, three to 5,000 miles or more now. Brushing our teeth, preventative maintenance. Changing your furnace filters. Throwing the green fuzzy things out of the refrigerator. <laughs> that are not supposed to be green nor fuzzy. Preventative maintenance. Having a physical. Oh, the list is endless. If you don't do these things, trouble can come. Some of us remember full-service gas stations. Remember those? If you're too young to remember that, once upon a time, you would drive up to the pump and sit in your car. And somebody would come and ask you how much, what kind. They'd pump your gas while they checked your windshield wipers and your tire pressure and your oil. And they had a slogan I would call service with a smile. When self-service became the norm, people started to get in trouble because they didn't check those things any longer. Today we're going to talk about the cost of doing nothing. The little girl asked her mother, can I get in trouble, mommy, for something I didn't do? And her mother thought for a minute and said, no. The little girl said, good, because I didn't make up the bed, I didn't do my homework, and I didn't feed the dog. <laughs> Mom was wrong. Trouble can come from doing nothing. In Christianity, we use the phrase sins of omission. That's really sinning by doing nothing. And we're going to look at a few examples. So the first example is a parable about how we need to use our talents for God. Matthew chapter 25, beginning of verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he did trusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amounts. Now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I, I know you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. 
I was afraid I'd lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money at the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken from them, taken away. Now throw the useless servant into outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing. It's obvious here that doing nothing is a bad thing. Doing nothing is a horrible thing. Our next example, still in Matthew 25, is about Judgment Day. This first example is also about Judgment Day. Now, the second one, Jesus kind of takes a different tack. You know this with the separation of the sheep and the goats. In chapter 25, beginning at verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit upon his glorious throne. The nations will be gathered in his presence. He'll separate the people as a shepherd. Shepherd separates sheep from goats. Place the sheep at his right hand, the goats at the left. The king will turn to those on the left. We're skipping to verse 41. And say, Away with you, you cursed ones, and we turn a fire prepared for the devil and his demons. I was hungry. You didn't feed me. Thirsty, you didn't give me drink. A stranger, you didn't invite me to your home. Naked, you didn't give me clothing. Sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then they'll reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? He'll answer, I pay the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they'll go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. What they do? Nothing. James 4, 17 makes the point clearly. Remember it's sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. It's a sin. Sins of omission. Knowing what to do and not doing it. Jeannie and I were going to buy a freezer yesterday. We were in a local business and the clerk wasn't really interested in helping us. So we didn't buy it. Business is closed. You ever been to one that didn't want to help you? They close because of lack of effort. Churches close for the same reason. Students walk out of school because they don't do their job. Families fall apart. The cost of doing nothing is high. A long introduction. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. And we'll have an opportunity in a moment to thank our veterans. Those who have served understand the cost of doing nothing because they did something. And without their sacrifice, our country would be very different in ways we probably cannot imagine. I remember that Tuesday, September the 11th, 2001, where I was when I got the first phone call that a plane had hit the World Trade Towers. And in my mind, I saw a little Cessna one said, I, I thought it was a little sightseeing airplane. Then the phone rang again, and it was another plane. So I went to watch the news when our nation was attacked by terrorists. I am an optimist. I always have been, and I always will be. But I remember the feeling on that day. 
that our world's changing. And it has as a result. I thought of my children. Didn't have grandchildren yet. And I thought of my children and how this would change their existence. If we had done nothing, I wonder what our world would be like today. But many responded to a call in this generation. The generations before them have had to respond to as well. So in this room are those who did something, who served their country, and we want to recognize them. And then I'm going to wrap things up in just a minute. But if you serve in the United States military, or you're still serving, I'd ask that you would rise, please. We're not going to make you come to the front. We're going to, Jeannie's going to come to you. It's on. Ben, we're going to make sure that wireless. Jeannie's going to get, Jeannie, you missed one already. You missed two already. Are you going to start with the good Baptist in the back? Okay, we're, my wife is perfect and whatever she does will be fine and I'm going to be quiet. Gentlemen, if you would tell us your name, your rank, and where you serve. Name and rank and where you serve. I served in Korea and my name is Lawson Broderick and I'm the captain. John Boyer served in the Air Force and I was a major. My name is Hal Bennett. I served with the Navy, the Marines, and the Air Force. I'm louder than Jeannie, so I'll do this. Sorry. How are you doing? Fine, how are you? Your, your name and your rank and where you serve. My name is Gerald Roberts. My rank was Captain of the U.S. Navy. I served in Vietnam and I'm in the Mediterranean in the South China Sea. Who knows where? Jerry Roberts, Captain of the United States Navy, served in Vietnam, in the Mediterranean, the South China Sea, and lots of other places. Yes. My name is uh, Air Corps, Air Force, Korea. 
Bob flew some of the very first jets that ever flew in the Air Force. Right. Right. Joe Kitchell was was military intelligence for the United States Marine Corps. Sergeant Thomas Belcher, United States Army. You heard Thomas Belcher, United States Army. Daniel. Daniel. United States Army, I served in DMZ in Korea. Alright, South, served in the US Air Force statewide during the Korean conflict. Best four years of my life, but training it for the rest of my life. How about that? Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it a
So for the rest of us who did not serve, what can we do? Let me read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul, you did this in your offertory prayer, praying for your country. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior. What I learned from this is that I would pray for my mayor and my governor and my representative and my president, whether I voted for them or not. Democrats are supposed to pray for Republicans, and Republicans are supposed to pray for Democrats. That's what we're supposed to do. I don't think God is endorsing politics here. God is endorsing prayer. And that's all the difference in the world. That's what we can do. That's what we must do. Doing nothing leads to trouble. But imagine a choir of Christians praying together for this land and this world. What a difference that could make. I leave you with the words from James 5, 16. The last part says this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You can do something about it. Or you can do nothing. It is up to you, as are the consequences. Let us pray together. Father, help us to always be people of prayer. Help us to please you by doing as you say. To intercede on behalf of all people, from the lowest to the highest, all equal in your sight. Father, help us to do what we ought to do as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, as neighbors, as friends, as Christians. Help us, Father, to outdo one another in zeal. So today, help us to pray more, to serve more, to love more, to share more, to be who you created us as we've looked at in weeks past for that old nature to pass away and all things to become new as we become the men and women of God that you've designed us to be. Father, we thank you for this day, for our liberty in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Jeannie's going to be in the foyer. If you haven't signed up for the shrimp bowl yet, you can do that on your way.